0: Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler bronick Today, I'm joined with Scott Lapierre, who is an author, pastor, and speaker. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler bronick Thank you for tuning in to another episode welcome aboard for new listeners you're in for a treat today for long time listeners thanks for coming back um, excited to have you and to, to share some time together via podcast um, and wherever you're tuning in today um, stay tuned uh, have it you know have your ear close uh, chatting today with Scott Lapierre um, and we talk and break down marriage and so I would encourage listeners to look back into some earlier uh, other podcasts. Um, a few other episodes, you know, going back, talk on relationships and dating, um, talk about marriage and the family. Um, and and so we just talk, talk on a different angle and element today. So, you know, after this episode or, you know, even before this episode, go back and tune into some of the other ones as well. Um, Scott LaPierre has, you know, wrote, Uh, written extensively on marriage and um, really details what the biblical view and God's plan looks like um, from the beginning starting in Genesis kind of going through marriage and when marriage is mentioned and and looking in Ephesians and and 1 Peter and in Corinthians and and so on and, and understanding some distinctives And, um, and really navigating cultural times that we're in now in the United States in particular, but also, you know, how it's, there's a lot of, there's nothing new. And so this has been, um, around and we've had the word for, for 2000 plus years now. And so are able to, to go back on, on good soil and good foundation. Talk about leadership guys, how to lead your spouse and lead your family. Well, um, what that looks like, um, understanding the gift of marriage. It is such a blessing, um, and so for those of you who are married, this is great. For those of you who aren't married, this is great as well, um, and to help prepare you um, for, for grounding your marriage. Uh, I'm excited for this episode today with Scott LaPierre, um, and without further ado, here's my conversation. Scott, without further ado, thanks so much for, for joining me and, and the Guys Like Us podcast and, uh, and team here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Tyler. Really excited to share a little bit with your listeners, just to have a small part in your ministry here.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And so we were we were talking, and uh, it sounds like your last name has some French roots. And um, but you're uh, you're located you're not located in France. You are located in in uh, the United States. So you're tuning in from the West Coast. Can you t- can you talk a little bit about uh, just for folks who who may not be as familiar with your ministry and some of the work you're doing, wh- where you're coming from? Um, sure. Just a little more about your backstory as an, as an author, too.
1: Sure. So we've been in Washington. My, well, my wife and I grew up together in Northern California, yeah. and uh, that's where uh, we became Christians after after high school. We weren't raised in Christian homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was teaching elementary school, which I had done after being an officer in the Army. I became a Christian, teaching in elementary school, and then found I didn't really want to teach math and reading anymore. I wanted to teach the Bible. Uh, my mm-hmm. passion for ministry increased, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Katie and I got together, and I went into ministry part-time as a youth pastor. The church mm-hmm. grew in California, uh, became an associate pastor, and then was basically uh, being mentored to become a senior pastor. Moved up to Washington in 2010, mm-hmm. and we've been here since then. Uh, mm-hmm. We're expecting our ninth child in September, and so we've just kind of let God give us kids as he, not not a commentary on what other people should or shouldn't do, but we just got married and have the conviction that we would let god give us kids we kind of want to get to the end of our lives and have his fingerprints over our family feel like we have the family that, that he created for us and i've always written out my sermons really thoroughly uh, i'm a preaching uh, or teaching pastor now and so my wife would say hey you know you you've been writing out your sermons you put so much time into them polishing the manuscripts what do you think about turning some of those sermon manuscripts into books. And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of put it off a long time because it seemed like a real, uh, real big challenge. But then after enough encouragement from my wife, I kind of dove into that world of uh, publishing, began self-publishing, yeah. now traditional publishing. Not sure how much we'll talk about that yeah, yeah. in the interview, but I will say for any of your guys that are listening, probably, you know, pastors or just other guys that, have that burden to publish a book. Mm-hmm. If they have questions, I'd love to hear from them. Uh, hopefully I could pre- uh, prevent them from making many of the same mistakes I made when I started that publishing journey mm-hmm. and kind uh, of put them in the right direction so that they can turn some mm-hmm. of their, uh, you know, there's nothing better than seeing Christians putting uh, together wonderful books that are gonna serve the body of Christ. And
0: so mm-hmm.
1: I'd li- like to help in that way, if, if at all mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, the start of publishing, self-publishing. Uh, got picked up by a traditional publisher and uh have been doing that pastoring and open some doors for speaking and yeah. along with being a father and husband it keeps me very busy
0: yeah i believe yeah. it i believe it um no we'll, we'll, well thank you and um kind of jumping right into some of the some of the things i want to discuss today and um a, a little bit about about marriage and so i i know you have a, as you mentioned a little bit of a larger larger family at least for for many of us listening um, um and, and so yeah and so you know, one of your books and then some of your work you've done is on marriage and know that you're kind of will be, you know, officially launching um, this September as well. Um, and so just to kind of by kind of by way of introduction, can you talk a little bit about your personal marriage and um, kind of what your idea of marriage looked like before um, you're going to get married? There's a lot of listeners here who aren't married and kind of have some maybe some ideas of what it is and what it isn't. Um, and then how that, you know, maybe changed or just kind of started to really take some some shape after that first few months or first year.
1: Okay, that that sounds great. So uh, before I was a Christian, I had no idea about headship, submission, male leadership in the home. I remember a conservative uh, Christian woman told me about uh, those topics and I still remember uh, saying pretty clearly how ridiculous I thought it sounded. Became a Christian, started reading the Bible, saw the roles and responsibilities for men and women pretty mm-hmm. clearly identified there. I would say that I have a very strong complementarian view of marriage, complement, uh, not C O M P L I, but C-O-N-P-L-E, the idea that men and women are equal but different, distinct, and they complement or fit mm-hmm. together well. Mm-hmm. Um, the alternative to that is egalitarian which teaches that men and women are essentially uh, identical in terms of their roles and responsibilities. I strongly disagree with that view. You, that'll be a view you might see in liberal churches or churches with female pastors, um, or sometimes even now embracing homosexual or transgender leadership in churches. I think God's word is abundantly clear about the responsibility a man has to be a, uh, the head of the relationship or a spiritual leader, or we might even say the, pro- the pastor, you know, uh, prophet, king of his home. Um, and then to love and cherish his wife as Christ does the church and then the wife has that responsibility to be toward her husband what
0: mm-hmm.
1: what the church is to be to Christ for any single single guys out there or I suppose it would apply equally for any ladies that are out there I would highly encourage developing if you want to call it like a t-chart You know of your essentials and and non-essentials or your your kind of your deal breakers and your preferences if you don't go into marriage um, with those lists, you're going to be dominated or controlled by your feelings and emotions versus something objective. And if I just use myself as an example, I was convinced that God was calling me to ministry. So I knew that I, in that kind of deal breaker column, I needed a wife who thought that she would be a pastor's wife. We felt convicted to homeschool, uh, or I felt convicted to homeschool, so that was another deal-breaker for me. Mm-hmm. And then I, I also had the conviction that we would let God plan our family, as I kind of already mentioned. And so that's just three three mm-hmm. things right there. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but those three things, <laughs> they disqualified a lot of women, and really narrowed down the pool. But then I met Katie, and Katie said that people had told her— talked to her about being a pastor's wife. She mm-hmm. she uh, was comfortable homeschooling and had the same mm-hmm. conviction about children. And so it was like, wow, you know, here's the things that if there was a little bit of a season where you kind of wonder, am I going to meet the person? Uh, are my are my essentials too, you know, too strong or too too narrow? Uh, but I would encourage you or anyone if they feel bound to those to hold to them, and then believe God's going to bring the right person. And then preferences, you know, is the person musical? Um, is the person artistic? Does the person like to do? things Mm -hmm. outdoors you know as the person on punctual or you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. uh, i think those i think it's really important because otherwise you kind of get together and then it's like well you know i want to marry this person because uh they're attractive to me or because they're funny Mm -hmm. and those are Mm -hmm. those are not those are the kind of marriages where people end up having considerable regrets because they compromised and didn't stick with 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 what they initially wanted and i've been to enough conferences inevitably and this isn't an exaggeration you know god opened the door after I published my my first marriage book for me to begin putting on marriage conferences, which has been one of my real passions Mm -hmm. and inevitably, and you know, we stand at our booth or we talk to people between messages and inevitably there's always someone that comes up or during the Q and A time who tells me, presents a scenario to me and says something like, you know, this is what my spouse is like. And I, I don't want to sound harsh, but it's almost like they expect me to be able to fix something in a few minutes That that they see in their spouse, and they say, "What am I supposed to do if my husband, you know, won't pray with me? Or what am I supposed to do if my wife disrespects me in front of people?" I mean, that's a you know, kind of that idea of love and respect. Mm -hmm. Women Mm -hmm. crave love, men men crave respect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have a guy that says, "You know, my wife my wife is so disrespectful. She mocks me, criticizes me, you know, chops me off at the knees when I make decisions." Mm -hmm. And I can give I can give him some counsel. I can tell him what God's Word says. But the fact is, if he married a woman who's disrespectful uh, is, is a, or a woman marries a man that's unspiritual, I'm not going to be able to say anything that's going to fix that for them overnight. The chances are that if that's who they marry, that's who they might be stuck with for the rest of their life. And I think one of the things I've learned is that there are a lot of marriages where hope uh, has been... You know, I know the Bible says hope doesn't disappoint, but it depends what our hope is in. And I've seen many people who are experiencing miserable marriages and in a sense they mention the word hope because they say, I hoped she would change. I hoped he would be different. Um, But most people have their best foot forward before they get married. And so you need to assume that what you're seeing prior to marriage is actually the very best and that there's going to be more flaws or let's say warts that become evident after you're married. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's a very helpless feeling for me as a speaker. Or counselor when people are talking to me and i i recognize that there's probably not much i can do for their situation because this is who they married if a woman marries a man who rarely prays rarely reads the bible god can do something in his heart uh you know i think of first Samuel 10 when saul gets anointed and it says that god changed saul's heart like on the spot you know and god can do that with a man but if a man's never been a spiritual leader and never prayed the chances of her marrying him and then him becoming you know, a spiritual leader in the home, is pretty unlikely. She Mm -hmm. needs to look for that prior to marriage. And if a woman, one of the things I tell Mm -hmm. people to look at, if a a guy is looking at a wife, I say, how does she treat her father? Because the way that she treats her father, respects him, or recognizes his authority or headship in the home is a pretty good indication of how she's going to recognize your headship in the home. And Katie had a, my wife had a real high regard for her father. It impressed me. And she's basically shown the same toward me that she showed mm-hmm. um, toward her father. So, yeah, that was kind of a long answer, I suppose. But
0: no, no, no. Well, thank you. And there's, I think, there's a lot of different points in there. I would love to to kind of unpack little by little. And I, I, think one of them is well, actually, I love how you talk about respect and and love and kind of some some of the two needs that need to be met and how um to how how to grow those. And so I think first is kind of speaking into, I know in the book, you mentioned agape love, which is different than other types of love that are mentioned, looking kind of at the the Greek word agape compared to maybe philo or other other love. So can, can you talk about the importance of, I think, starting there, and then one. it sounds like when you're able to build up love, there's also an element, and correct me if you, if you see it differently, if you can build up that agape love, then in, in, there, there will also be an, an increase of trust and an increase of respect as well.
1: Mm -hmm. So yeah, you made, you made a good point though. I think people, uh, you know, many people might be familiar with this. One of the weaknesses of the English language is we have one word for love. So I say I love popcorn or I love wrestling, or you would say you love soccer. And then we use that same word for, I love my wife, you know? Uh, and even within the family, I love my children differently than I love my, than I love my wife. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the love I have for my children um, a familial love there either Storge, which refers to the natural familial love, Phileo, you mentioned a uh, brotherly love or affection, nice. the city of Philadelphia, brotherly love, uh-huh. and then there's agape, uh-huh. which is that sacrificial, unconditional love that a husband is commanded to have for his wife. And so, what that means is it's a love that loves even when it's not reciprocated. And so, a husband is to so, I guess we back up just a minute. An important distinction is the world as it, as is the case with many worldly things presents something that is contradictory to the bible so the world presents love as kind of a choice uh something or it presents it as a feeling or emotion actually the opposite of what i said the world presents love as as an emotion or feeling that kind of comes and goes you know you're shot by cupid's arrow you fall in love and then you can fall out of love but the fact that god's word commands us to love even love our enemies you don't feel affection toward your enemy God commands us to love our enemies because it's a choice. It's something mm-hmm. we can do. We can be kind to people who have been cruel to us. Well, if we apply this to marriage, and a husband says to me, you know, I don't I don't feel like I love my wife, I would say, well, you don't have to feel like you love your wife. This is who you chose to spend your life with, and, God, and it, I might sound a little insensitive, but this is who God has commanded you to love, regardless of how you feel. It is not conditional. It doesn't say, husbands, love your wives if. Similarly, Ephesians 5.33 doesn't say wives, respect your husbands if, or submit to your husband if. Now there are some qualifications on submission, obviously we're not going to submit to abuse, we're not going to submit to sin, but if a wife comes and she says, you know, I'm having a really hard time respecting my husband, I would say, I believe it. And she would say, what can I do? And I could say, well, it's not conditional. God expects you, expects you to respect your husband mm-hmm. just as He expects your husband to, to love you. And so, if you understand what agape is, it's very contrary to what the to what the world um, to how the world right. views love. So it's not really possible, biblically speaking, for a husband to say, "I'm no longer in love with my wife," or "I've fallen out of love with my wife," because love is is uh, absolutely a choice. That, you know, First Corinthians thirteen, the love chapter. People, if you had a worldly view of love, you'd almost expect it to be filled with many adjectives or feeling words. You know, like love is that feeling when you you have your heart goes a flutter, this and that. But it's actually a bunch of verbs in mm. in First Corinthians thirteen because it's actions. It's what we choose to do for someone. Love is patient. It is kind. Those are things that we can exhibit toward people. And so that sacrificial unconditional love that God has shown us Mm -hmm. is the same love that a husband is supposed to show toward his wife. Probably the best example of it in all of Scripture, well, second only um, to Christ toward humanity, would be Hosea toward Gomer in the book of Hosea, where you have this prostitute, and God tells Hosea, go love a woman, love this woman. Well, of course he doesn't, in a worldly sense, have the affection or feelings for his his wife while she's running around on him with, you know, who knows how many different men, but God still commanded him to love her. It was very sacrificial, very unconditional, hmm. a, a great demonstration of the agape love that God expects husbands to have for their wives.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, and No, thank you so much. And I, I think one thing in that, that I, at least I've noticed is, um, among a lot of people is, uh, just a, a, a hesitation to commit to, to marriage and, kind of for waiting for all of these things to, you know, so to speak, fall in place. And, and that doesn't, doesn't happen like that, or not, nor how we've kind of watched the, the movies of how it happens. And I think there is, especially I think with younger folks as well, and, you know, 20s and 30s now, um, who are less likely to commit to things or don't want to commit for, I think one of the words you mentioned was kind of feeling or emotion and leaning too much, I think, into that. And um, as you said, like mar- marriage is, a, is an, really an ordained covenant between, between uh, male and woman. Um, and I, I just think it's, it's something that is, you know, where we, we resist and we're continuing to resist. And I think there is a cultural element as, as well. Um, and so I, I think with that, I, I kind of wanted to, to transition. And, and one, of the, one of the points that you kind of speaking on some cultural trends, at least in the United States here that have kind of taken shape um, that I think break down marriage and, and the family as well. Um, cause what happens in marriage is going to happen in the family and how it's viewed and is, under, yeah, it's looking at, you know, the, the challenges of, of, uh, disregard of, of gender, looking at transgenderism, um, mm-hmm. looking at, you know, homosexuality, looking at radical feminism and, and some of the things that you've, I know you've, you know, have identified and, um, obviously a lot of, you know, to- hot topics now, but they're not, they're not new or they're not kind of, they're not, you know, revolutionary for, for, for the, for ancient times and looking at the, at the Bible as well. So can you kind of talk a little bit through, um, yeah, I think just one understanding that these aren't new things. I think one of the things at least is like, Oh, this is so, like this, look at this brand new idea we have. It's like, well, no, like look at Genesis, look at, look at the kind of the, the, the command at really, you know, um, of understanding God made man, male and female in his image and likeness. Um, Etc. And then looking kind of that's that string through scripture as well looking into Corinthians mm-hmm. Ephesians 1 Peter etc
1: Yeah, so you're making a good point um, God looked at man. He created it you know at the end of each day It's like he creates this it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good And then the first time he says something isn't good. It's man being alone You know, he looks and sees hmm. man. He says it's not good for man to be alone I will I will create him a helper suitable or comparable for him uh, It's an interesting observation from God considering Sin had not been introduced into the world yet. We tend to think that uh, nothing was not good until the fall, right? We tend to think everything was good until the fall, but it was actually not good for man to be alone prior to the fall, which shows that it's God's natural plan for man to, to get married. Um, you were kind of talking earlier about yeah. people getting married much later, and I actually think that's a little bit of a—, of a um, I don't know if I'd say disobedient to God's word. That's probably too strong because I know there are some, I know some wonderful godly people, especially young ladies who want to get married and they're just waiting for a husband. I think guys uh, mature a little later than women do, but it's like I've talked to some other pastors and it's like an epidemic, all these godly young ladies without the husbands. But I would say if you're deliberately putting off marriage, I would ask you why is it, is it for selfish reasons? Because Right. I've seen I've seen people get married. It's almost like a perpetual youthfulness or childishness. First uh, Corinthians thirteen, Paul says, "I put away. You know, I became a man. I put away childish things." I've seen people, and so if a young man is he holding on to his singleness so that he can continue his life of, you know, is it video games or or sports? And I'm not I'm not saying guys can't play video games. I'm not saying guys can't play sports. But I am saying if you're choosing those things over a wife or marriage, which is God's natural plan for us. Then there is something there is something wrong with that, and so when people start getting married much later, one of the problems with that is they get used to a life of singleness, and then marriage is this terrible shock to them. They're not ready for it. They're used to living—I don't want to say—I uh, guess selfishly only in the sense that they don't might not have someone else to care for. But if you get married when you're younger you're kinda, and you're kind of—and even if you don't have a lot of money, you know—and you and your wife are poor. That's actually a pretty neat scenario to work through and learn learn patience and learn to be live sacrificially and to go without. Mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. It can be a really good foundation um, for a marriage as you grow together versus getting married later when you've had two separate lives. As far as mm-hmm. the sins that you're mentioning, you know, I'll be the first one to say that we are seeing things that are terrible that that even a few decades ago we wouldn't see. But then we also want to remember that we only have to go to Genesis 19. To see sodom and gomorrah to see a city plagued with so much uh, sin and wickedness homosexuality that god destroyed it with fire from heaven um we see incest within the book of genesis we see rape right. uh, after lot lot makes it out of sodom and gomorrah then his two daughters um you could yeah. say lot got his daughters out of sodom but he didn't get sodom out of his daughters then his daughters uh you know have get him drunk have their relationship with him so, we see many of the evils. It's kind of like the, the book of Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. that there's nothing mm-hmm. new under the sun. But I will say that one thing that we're kind of seeing in our lifetime that is particularly troubling is the acceptance and even celebration of these things. It wasn't that long ago that a man would be strongly condemned or criticized for some of the things that he's being praised for today, such as Caitlyn, uh, Bruce Jenner. I'm not even going to call him Caitlin, but Bruce Jenner being given a courage award for basically emasculating himself, for mutilating himself, Um, he's rewarded for that. Or individuals who now are being celebrated for professing their homosexuality or transgenderism. That's something that even a few decades ago, we definitely, there's no way a presidential candidate would have gotten any traction if he would have praised some of these perversions that now are being celebrated. And you almost wonder if someone could be elected as president if they didn't defend these these evils mm-hmm. and so i do i do think we are seeing some very shocking um mm-hmm. troubling things some of them are creeping into the church where it's you know if it's pastors that are homosexual or transgender and it's just so important for god's people to be holding to his word and to what he says as you as you mentioned earlier in genesis um mm-hmm. chapter one and then chapter five that god has made man in his own image male and female he created them
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no thank you for that clarification and. Um, no, I, and I would agree. I think there is definitely an acceleration of some of these. Uh, it's as you said, the acceptance, and then it's almost it should be normative for people to believe and affirm these things. Um, and that's I think that is that is troubling, uh, especially for for people who profess to be Christ followers as well. And so, um, I, and I think one of the things you mentioned too is I think so. In previous kind of guys like us episodes, have had different you know segments on relationships, dating, marriage. Etc. And this one's obviously going to touch on some some different things. So I'd encourage listeners to to go back as well and and tune in. And and, and so I, I think one of the, one of the things I wanted to touch on too is for people who are coming into maybe a relationship that think you know believe that God there's a lot of potential there's a lot of potential fruit in this. But I think some of the things you obviously will see is people bring a lot of baggage from from past relationships from ideas of whatever x y and z and so i think some of these you know at the at the worst scales looking at some of the the abuse or um the ways that people have been mistreated um do you have any kind of words of encouragement or just kind of counsel for um trying to yeah i think to hold on to to the gospel and and to kind Mm -hmm. of redeem some of these restore some of these areas and yeah, like it doesn't have to be like this you know Mm
1: -hmm. yeah well you you actually kind of got to what I was going to point to as, as the solution toward the end of your question, where you talked that you mentioned the gospel. And so according to the world, psychology, you're, you're going to have to work through these things for years. You're going to have to continue to discuss them. Uh, you're never really going to be rid of them. You might be able to grow somewhat. But my, my wife is a psychology major, and she said that even in that world, there's this acknowledgment, or whether it's the penal system, that people go to prison and they're never really changed. They don't become new people um, psychology doesn't really resolve this this issue of man's heart and and the problems with us. That's why we you know people get in uh, they struggle with these things out their lifetimes. But mm-hmm. we're, we're uh, to know Christ is to know that we can be a new creation and that the gospel can allow us to become a different person. And so mm-hmm. for me personally, mm-hmm. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I became a Christian in my twenties, and I had engaged in an amount of, of of sin, and I was able to see how my heart changed through the gospel. And so. Right. Um, I was able to see some other people. My wife was saved later in life, and it's not to say that we, we still have some of the same struggles we had, but we believe God has redeemed us from those things, and He's allowed me to be, to be um, you know, liberated from some some of the struggles that I thought I would, I would that would plague me my whole life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I would say it's not it's not an issue of us being confident in ourselves or in our effort or our ability to try hard enough to over, you know, kind of white knuckle it and work hard enough to have victory in these areas. It's really an issue of submission and and submitting our lives to Christ and saying, Lord, I want to be delivered from this, and I have faith that you can give me victory in these areas. And so for that, for that young man that has struggled with, with pornography, mm-hmm. it's not so much about him trying hard enough to, um, you know, overcome pornography. It's about him submitting it to Christ and saying, I despise yeah. what I'm doing. Kind of the end of Romans 7, I hate what I do, I don't want to do what I want to do you know, please deliver me from this Lord, right. and then to throw himself into, uh, you know, loving and cherishing his wife and being satisfied with her. And a woman who comes in and, and to marriage and she's had some of these same struggles, she can do the same thing. She can submit this to Christ and she say, can say, I believe you can change me, change yeah. my heart. Probably, you know, one of the things to keep in mind is just that there are, there are certain feelings that accompany relationships, that infatuation. It doesn't last. I've, I've known a couple guys and they've begun relationships and there's that little season of infatuation, you know, it disappears and then they jump into the next relationship wanting to see that season of infatuation last. They think, think it's going to, it disappears and that, and that pattern continues. It's important to understand that marriage becomes, uh, you know, as much a deep friendship as anything else where there is not that lasting infatuation. But Katie's my best, I mean, along with being my lover, she's my, and my wife, she's my best friend. I, I enjoy her more than I ever have before. Um, but there's a sense, it's almost like, you know, in Romans 9 where it talks about God has objects for his mercy and he has objects of his wrath. Well, when we get married, this sp- our spouse becomes the object of our love, the object of our affection. We are choosing to set our love and our affection on this person. And so if someone has previously struggled with certain things, whether it's, um, you know, pornography or lust, they need to choose to set their heart and their affection and their love uh, on this person that they're that they're marrying, a, a wife is going to choose to res- set her respect on her husband, somewhat independent of how he acts, because there is no there is no perfect husband, there is no perfect wife, there is no wife that always behaves in such a way it's easy to love her, and there's no husband that always behaves in such a way that it's always easy to respect him, um, and which is why it's important to obey these commands unconditionally, mm-hmm. uh, independent of the way that our our spouse is acting, largely flowing from our obedience to Christ. And so, you know, that's one of the important things I'll tell people in counseling. A husband says, I don't want to love my wife. You know, she doesn't deserve it. And I say, I believe it. I believe she doesn't deserve it, but Christ does. Look what he's done for you and strive to love your wife, not because of her, but because of what Christ has done. Or a wife says, you know, I don't want to submit to my husband. I don't respect him. Well, I say, I I believe you. I see what he's done and it must be hard, but don't do it for him. Do it for Christ. Mm-hmm. Because you want to submit to Christ, go ahead and submit to your, mm-hmm. to your husband. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, that's where a good mo- amount of motivation comes from, thinking about what the Lord mm-hmm. has done mm-hmm. for us. And so I guess, the, I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah. if people come into marriage with a lot of baggage, it has to be their confidence in the gospel's ability to change their heart, allow them to be a new creation. And, and one of the really nice things, which I, I would offer to all of your listeners, mm-hmm. that I hope encourages them, is to remember that God wants us to have wonderful marriages marriage is a gift. I mean, um, we know there's some trials and difficulties. It's not perfect. I mean, that's obviously why the divorce rate is so high. But we should remember that God wants marriage to be a joy, a blessing to us. It wants, he wants it to be very satisfying. And so mm-hmm. He's for our marriages. He's, mm-hmm. he's not against us. He's not hoping that we have problems. He wants to see mm-hmm. marriage be a very wonderful thing so we can go to Him in prayer confident that that is His desire for us. Mm-hmm
0: yeah no absolutely and i think it's one of the beautiful things about christianity is that the affirmation of of um of marriage like this and to delight in it and to to, to grow in intimacy to grow in love um and i think is which is just so encouraging and so you spoke on a few of these things which i think touch on on being a better leader too um for and you mentioned kind of for for guys who um are stepping in and um, or struggling with something and it, it starts to kind of take away from your ability to lead and to be respected, um, when you're falling into, yeah, into, you know, some, some sins from the past that have kind of have continued to grip you or, or draw your mind into, into, um, fleshly desires and, and such. And so is there anything else that you mentioned? I think one of the things too was like, um, Tim Keller's meaning, uh, meaning of marriage book and some of his commentary around it talked about, one of the biggest challenges is, is like selfishness in marriage. And like one of the big, it's you, you're caring for two people now is that you're caring for yourself and you're developing and you're leading yourself and now you're leading your spouse as well. And so that, that responsibility, um, I think some sometimes is not accepted or it's not, there's just a, a lack of understanding of really how to, to lead in a place of love and to lead in a place that's, uh, that, you know, can, can make things go smooth as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned spiritual leadership. There's, a, there's almost this part of me that wishes I could address the wives because I do think that wives play a large part in a husband's spiritual leadership. There are many men, you know, I'll tell a husband, I'll say, mm-hmm. hey, you need to pray with your wife. You need to read the word with her. You're the spiritual leader of the relationship. And a man will be honest and he'll say, you know, I'm afraid to do it. I'm afraid my wife's going to criticize me. I'm afraid she's going to argue with me. And I have seen some situations where I encouraged a husband to do these things with his wife and then he comes back to me, and he says that his wife was critical of him. So if there are any wives tuning in, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, your, your husband is probably not in my position. He's not a pastor being given 20, 30, 40 hours a week to study and read God's Word and put sermons together, even, even my own family. My my Bible studies with my children and my wife are not, are not the same as my sermons on Sunday. And so the wives need to not expect their husband to become, you know, John MacArthur or Billy Graham, Every time the family opens the Bible together, a wife needs to be satisfied with her husband simply reading the word with his family and letting it go out and wash over the family and sanctify and cleanse them. Mm -hmm. At the same time that the husband needs to do that, though, Um, you know, there are many women who do want their husbands to read the word with them, but they won't do it. And I've had men come to me and they say, hey, you know, I want to be a spiritual leader I want to read the word with my family, but I don't know if I can do it. And I say, well, can you read, if you can read, you can read the word with your family. That's Mm -hmm. really all that's required. Mm -hmm. It's just being able to read the Bible and then let the Bible, the power, the sanctifying and cleansing um, power of scripture is contained in the scripture itself, not in the husband's Mm -hmm. ability to sanctify and cleanse. And so if a husband will simply open the Bible. and read it with his with his family then it's going to go out and it's going to accomplish that work but we just we just sort of moved away from that we have families that kind of look christian on sunday morning when they go to church together but they might not look very christian throughout the week and what we need is we need family worship we need families gathering around the word together so that um you know they're they're focused or their homes are christ-centered besides just on on sunday morning
0: right and I think that's just kind of a, a great way to kind of want to transition into some, one other topic briefly. But to, to kind of transition here, I think that's awesome is the, the importance of, um, yeah, of continuing these disciplines and continuing this devotional time and continuing this prayer um, and, and to set aside, you know, a time once a week um, or more, you know, to, to get into the word. And if you have a family to, you know, do a devotional with your family and uh, to continue, you know, making these these practices habits. Um, mm-hmm. over time and so and, and yeah and so kind of to to transition i i you know i'm excited for for your, for your book to which will be available in uh fully available in in september is that correct
1: yeah yeah so i guess i just uh to be clear about that so i published a book i self-published a book called marriage god's way and yeah. it did well enough the harvest house uh, publishers uh, uh, took interest in it and took interest in me and they signed me to a multi-book deal, and the first book they wanted to they wanted to republish, Marriage God's Way, it'll now be called Your Marriage God's Way. So I, so I actually took off, took out um, Marriage God's Way, it's removed from the marketplace now, and it's gonna be republished by, traditionally published by Harvest House in September, actually the same day my, my ninth child is due, so it's gonna be a, uh, wow. a pretty, pretty, pretty exciting day for us. But um, yeah, wow. so there's a there's a book, Your Marriage God's Way, and an accompanying workbook that are coming out in September. Um, you know, I've committed it's it's from my sermons that I committed hundreds or thousands of hours of studying into them, and so I think it's a book that's very rich in terms of uh, w- you know with God's design or rich with Scripture. It's not my opinion about marriage and what marriage should be or shouldn't be. I, I'm really excited and hope it can be a blessing to you know many couples. Um, and I hope, you know, if you're listening, you'll get a copy of it in September
0: when it comes out. So, and and that's amazing hearing God's timing in that too, you know, with your night child is, is that such a blessing? And so, um, and so you mentioned kind of multi book, have some things down the pipeline as well in, 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 uh, next year with, uh, with finances and and well, and just to kind of, as a, maybe as a primer to kind of leave us on a, you know, not a cliffhanger, but to kind of get us excited for what's next. Talk a little bit about some of the, I think especially with that last year we've had to make some kind of decisions of finances um, with what's what's happened in the past year and change now um, what are some of the biggest kind of challenges that you see um, that I think maybe need to be readdressed or kind of get back into the into the word to see what uh, the bible says about yeah about finances and a way of kind of yes yeah, stewarding those in a, in a good way
1: Sure. So, yeah, I mean, with the season of COVID, I guess I would just, if if that's what you're referring to, one of the things I've seen as a pastor is a lot of people get comfortable worshiping at home. Uh, We live streamed. So our church, as soon as we, we had to kind of close down, you know, for a little season as a church because of COVID, we started live streaming our services, but then we reopened and it's like, Hey, come back to church, you know. So I would just say, if any of you are sitting at home, kind of watching your, your church service or watching another church service, you know, get back to church where you're with the body of Christ, where you're worshiping mm-hmm. corporately. Um, financially, I, I know some people have struggled, uh, through COVID. My book, uh, Your Finances, God's Will will come out in the middle of. Um, 2022 and i hope it i think it's a little different than most finance books in that it tries to focus on the heart i mean there's application there's um for handling our finance as well but i didn't i didn't want to write a secular finance book i wanted to write a christian finance book which meant dealing with people's hearts and talking about how we can manage our finances in ways that please god and so that's really kind of the that's kind of the heart behind the book is that it deals with people's hearts and gives them the motivation to handle our finances in ways to please God. Because ultimately, I mean, that's what we want. We want to get to the end of our lives mm-hmm. and feel like we, we honored God with our marriages, with our children, you know, in our parenting, in our jobs, and with our finances. It's one of our most important stewardships. And so I felt thankful that Harvest House wanted me to write something like that for them. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome, um, well, well, Scott, thank you so much for for your time and just sharing your heart and uh, investment into into the work that you're doing, and you know know that there's there's also a workbook I, that you attached as well, and um, yeah, and so very very in depth, and I would encourage, yeah, for for listeners who who have been interested and, and enticed, and just to 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 dig in deeper and, and to get and to get more involved, and so um, can find you at uh, Scott La- LaPierre.org, dot, dot and then in where, where books are, or sorry, to, if they want to pre-order, and then where, where books are sold, I presume?
1: Yeah, they, they should not have any trouble finding um, any of my books, either on Amazon or Christian Book or other places. My yeah. website, scottlapierre.org, uh, is where you can find more information. I have a free gift that people can get on my website, or maybe you'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's, called, it's just a pretty short read, Seven Biblical Insights for Healthy, Joyful, Christ-Centered Marriages. I'd love to give that away to people for free, and it's got some discussion questions. I hope it can be a blessing. You can get that, you know, from my website or uh, maybe there'll be a link in the show notes. Great. But yeah, my website is the best way to, to kind of follow my ministry. If I could, you know, pray for any of the listeners in any ways or answer questions, you know, I hope that they'll go ahead and reach out through the contact page on my site. And yeah, thanks for having yeah. me, Tyler. I appreciate you and your ministry and uh, to guys and letting us share. So thanks for all you're doing and for having me on your show.
0: I uh, know. It, it, it was my pleasure. Thanks a lot, Scott. Um, excited for what's to come. Thank you.
1: Yeah. God bless.